Hello and welcome to the Pharmacy and Pharmacology podcast by Arsen Karapetian. Today we're talking about eating disorders, and、uh, let's introduce ourselves to eating disorders first. Eating disorders are not a lifestyle choice. Eating disorders are a serious illness involving often extreme emotions, attitudes, and behavior around food and weight. Eating disorders can have significant consequences, including health and well-being, productivity, and relationship issues, but also serious psychiatric and medical complications that can be life-threatening. Eating disorders, unfortunately, impact the lives of millions of American men and women. The prevalence rates likely are underrepresented because many with eating disorders do not seek or receive treatment. Most common eating disorders are anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, and binge eating disorder. Let's talk about anorexia nervosa first. The lifetime prevalence of anorexia nervosa is 0.9 to 2 percent of American women. It occurs predominantly in girls and young women, 90 percent of which are female. Usually, it represents in late adolescence. Median age of onset is 12.3 years. Imagine only 12.3 years. It's rarely diagnosed after age of 40. Now let's touch upon bulimia nervosa. The lifetime prevalence of bulimia nervosa is 1.5 percent in females and 0.5 percent in males. So as you can see, it predominantly affects females. Maybe as high as 4.6 percent in adolescent and young females. And Like with the anorexia nervosa, 90% of people affected with bulimia nervosa are females. The presentation of bulimia nervosa is later adolescence or early adulthood. Now, as far as the binge eating disorder is concerned, the lifetime prevalence is 3.5% of women and 2% of men in United States. It often presents in adolescence, but later in life as well. Now you are probably asking yourself, what causes these diseases? So the etiology and risk factors come next. The exact etiology or cause for these diseases is unknown. It's most likely a combination of genetic and biologic, developmental, or environmental factors. Now you're going to probably ask yourself, what are the causes for these diseases? And this is one of the most prevalent questions I get. About anorexia or binge eating disorders. So let's talk about etiology and some of the risk factors. The exact etiology, also known as the cause, is unknown. Most likely a combination of genetic, biologic, developmental, and environmental factors. There are genetic predispositions for anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, and the binge eating disorder. Family and twin studies suggest strong genetic concordance for all three. Genetic studies show concordance rates of about 55% and 5% in anorexia, and 35% and 30% in bulimia. These statistics look at the monozygotic versus dizygotic. We now understand that there are genetic predispositions for all three diseases. But there are also the environmental and psychosocial factors. For anorexia nervosa, the 
family dynamics plays a huge role. For example, difficulty with separation, autonomy, high parental expectations, difficulties managing conflict, poor communication, and in families where the maternal role has been devaluated. Individuals with anorexia nervosa also exhibit obsessive-compulsive personality traits, such as anxious and obsessive about food, weight, and being rigid. Some of the people who suffer from anorexia nervosa are very perfectionistic. They'd like to do things in a perfect manner, and that translates into anorexia nervosa. The causes for bulimia nervosa are trauma. For example, physical and sexual abuse, life stressors such as being in college or beginning college, and an impulsive personality. For both anorexia nervosa and bulimia nervosa, trauma and life stressors such as emotional stressors, participation in activities with high focus on weight or thinness, such as modeling, or societal pressures, can cause that to be developed. And finally, the ideology for the binge eating disorder is as follows: high rates of generalized anxiety disorder, panic attacks, major depressive disorder, or suicidality. For those of you who are interested in the pathophysiology of these diseases, let's talk about them after a word from our sponsor. As far as pathophysiology is concerned for eating disorders. We look at abnormalities in hypothalamic pituitary gonadal, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal, and hypothalamic pituitary thyroid axes. We often see serotonin dysregulation affecting satiety, anxiety, mood, impulse control, and obsessive behaviors. Also involved may be the dopamine deficiency, low energy, anhedonia. Decreased reward feeling, and norepinephrine deficiency, such as hypotension, low blood pressure, bradycardia, low pulse, and hypothermia, feeling cold all the time. Let's now break down the difference between anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, and binge eating disorder, starting from anorexia nervosa first. So, in anorexia nervosa, there is a significantly low body weight. In relation to age, sex, development, and physical health, intense fear of gaining weight or becoming fat is something that people with this disease always think about. Disturbance in the way weight or shape are experienced and denial of seriousness of current low body weight. There are two types of anorexia nervosa. There's the restriction type, as well as binge eating purging type. Let's talk about the restriction type first. In the restriction type, during at least three months, patient has not regularly engaged in binge eating or purging behavior. Whereas in a binge eating purging type, during the last three months, the patient has regularly engaged in binge eating or purging behavior. The severity of anorexia nervosa is calculated on a scale by looking at the BMI. So some of the severity specifications are as follows: mild anorexia nervosa, the BMI is above 17; moderate BMI between 16 to 16.99; 
severe anorexia nervosa. BMI is between 15 and 15.9. And finally, the extreme anorexia nervosa, BMI is less than 15. Now that you've gotten a picture of anorexia nervosa, let's talk about bulimia nervosa. Bulimia nervosa is characterized by recurrent episodes of binge eating. Eating in discrete period of time, an amount of food larger than most would eat. There's a sense of lack of control over eating during episodes. It's also characterized by recurrent inappropriate compensatory behavior, which could be defined by an ability to prevent weight gain. For example, vomiting, using laxatives, diuretics, animus, fasting, or excessive exercise. So people with bulimia nervosa could potentially show as normal as somebody who continuously exercises. However, if one dives deep into the mind of a person suffering from bulimia nervosa, you could see that the excessive exercise comes from the recurrent inappropriate compensatory behavior for preventing weight gain. Normally, the self-evaluation of people who suffer from bulimia nervosa is influenced by body, shape, and weight. And there are two types of bulimia nervosa, the purging type and the non-purging type. As far as the severity specifications by which it's measured, it goes as follows. Mild bulimia nervosa is when somebody has one to two episodes per week. Moderate, four to seven episodes per week. Severe, eight to 13 episodes per week. And finally, the extreme, more than 14 episodes per week. Let's now talk about the diagnosis and the clinical presentation for the binge eating disorder. Recurrent binge eating episodes without compensatory behavior or prevention of weight gain is how the binge eating disorder is characterized. So in comparison with the anorexia nervosa and bulimia nervosa, where we had the purging type in both, the binge eating disorder is not characterized by the compensatory behavior, which means people who have the binge eating disorder do not purge or do not use laxatives to get rid of the weight, or they do not fast or use excessive exercise in order to compensate for their weight gain. However, the individuals with the binge eating disorder are eating in discrete period of time and the amount of food is larger than most would eat, which is similar to bulimia nervosa. There's also another similarity with bulimia nervosa is that there's a sense of lack of control over eating during the episode. The binge eating is associated with three of these following factors. Eating rapidly, eating until uncomfortably full, eating large amounts when not hungry, eating alone or out of the embarrassment, feeling disgusted, depressed or guilty, and finally, feeling the stress regarding binge eating. The binge eating and the binge eating disorder occurs at least once weekly for at least three months. And the severity specifications are as follows. Mild, one to three episodes per week. Moderate, four to seven episodes per week. Severe, eight to 13 episodes per week. 
and finally extreme, more than 14 episodes per week similar to Bulimia Nervosa. This concludes today's episode. I thank you for watching, but encourage you to tune into our next episode in which we're going to talk about all of these diseases and their prevention and treatment in much more detail. Thank you very much for tuning in. Stay happy and healthy.